Uh, good afternoon, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Alex Philp. I'm the director of Overseas Collections Management here at the National Library, and it's my very great pleasure to welcome you all here today. As we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land. I thank the elders, past and present, for caring for this land we are now privileged to call home. This weekend is the fifth and our final weekend for Experience China Public Programming associated with Celestial Empire, Life in China, 1644. We've been exploring Chinese culture, cuisine, art, landscape, architecture and the Chinese diaspora. Celestial Empire and its public programs would not have been possible without the support of a tremendous group of partners. It's been an extraordinary collaboration between government, commercial partners and individual donors. First and foremost, I thank the National Library of China for sharing its extraordinary collection with us and with all of you. And I definitely hope you'll take this opportunity to go and see the amazing exhibition this afternoon, which is open until May the 22nd. I'd also like to thank our partners, Shell in Australia, Seven Network, Wanda One, Optus, Singtel, Huawei, Cathay Pacific, TFE Hotels, and our event partners today, the A News Centre for China and the World and Asia Society Australia for their generosity. And thanks for bearing with me through that long list. I'd also need to thank our government partners through uh, the Australian government, through the National Collecting Institutions Touring Outreach Program and the Australia China Council and the ACT government through Visit Canberra. And finally, of course, I'd like to thank you all for coming, to today, coming here today to learn about Penjing and, Bond and Bonsai with Lee Tafe. Lee is the curator of, of the National Bonsai and Penjing Collection at the National Arboretum. This collection displays uh, about 80 bonsai and penjing trees and forests at any, any given time in a variety of traditional and modern styles with both Australian native and exotic trees. The oldest trees in the collection are more than 60 years old but still comparatively young when you consider the oldest known bonsai and penjing in the world are over 800 years old. These are creations are often so valuable and so treasured that they get passed down from one generation to the next. Lee first developed his interest in bonsai in the mid-1980s and started his own nursery, the Landanta Bonsai Nursery, in 2000. As well as his responsibilities as curator at the Arboretum, he's a member of the Can Canberra Bonsai Society, which offers local practitioners the opportunities to enhance their knowledge and skills. I understand that Lee's specialties include carving, heavy bending and restyling of bonsai and I'm sure that he'll share with us what that entails this afternoon. Uh, we will have time for questions at the end of Lee's presentation and then afterwards we'd like to invite you for refreshments in the foyer. So please welcome Lee Tafe. Thanks Alex. Uh, welcome everybody. Um, Hopefully I've put together a little bit of an exciting um, presentation for you here today. I've brought some friends along with me that we can have a look at. Uh, these two trees are uh, penjing actually from the National Collection, um, so I've borrowed them for a few hours on a Sunday afternoon. I'm sure they've, uh, they're enjoying their time out of uh, the cage that we have up there. Um, like, um, like many uh, young people in Australia, similar age to, to myself who are involved in bonsai, 
we uh, gained an interest uh, by watching uh, Karate Kid, the movie. <laughs> so it was the, the wax on, wax off, and sanding and fencing, the, the, whole, the whole bit. Um, uh, it had such an impact on so many people um, of my age, uh, particularly the ones that, that followed on and got involved in, in bonsai as a hobby. Um, uh, it was quite uh, extraordinary the impact it had around the world, um, not only here in Australia but uh, you know throughout uh, Europe and America as well. And I understand that movie is is in many different lang languages, so uh, it's uh, it's got a lot to uh, answer for in terms of spreading the word about bonsai. Um, uh, uh, I, I need to take a little bit of a, a step back. Um, uh, because Penjing, on the other hand, actually uh, precedes uh, bonsai in terms of an art, uh, and and we talk about uh, you know how how uh, you know I, I became involved in bonsai uh, through you know, the, uh, uh, the the movie The Karate Kid, uh, but how could it have uh, uh, you know moved over over so many centuries um, from one thing to another? So hopefully I'll be able to um, shed a little bit more light on uh, the history uh, of, of bonsai and penjing. My focus mainly with this presentation is with penjing, um, just for the simple fact that uh, most people who've uh, heard of bonsai would understand that it's a, a miniature tree, but wouldn't know that it's actually uh, uh, stemmed as a result of a different art altogether. We've had a, um, a lovely introduction, a little bit of a background on, on, on myself. Um, I wanted to uh, uh, highlight, uh, in the first instance, this tree. Um, uh, to, to many, it would simply look like a, a bonsai. Um, and to a certain extent, yeah, bonsai literally translated means tree in a pot. And that's ultimately what you can see in the image here. But there's so much more to it. Um, we actually refer to this tree as our welcome tree. And my, uh, my uh, exposure to Panjing has only been actually, actually quite recent. I, I certainly was aware of it throughout my, uh, my hobbies as, uh, as a bonsai artist. But it's only recently that I've been exposed to uh, uh, Panjing in the bark, uh, for want of a better way to describe it. Certainly, I've seen many books with pictures uh, of Penjing and so forth, and you know, done a little bit of reading and things, but it's only until I got involved with the National Collection that I was exposed to artists who were creating Penjing um, in a way that uh, had been uh, passed down through generations from families that they'd been involved in. So, whilst I said before that um, it was Karate Kid that kind of got me involved. Uh, it wasn't until I, I went to a bonsai nursery uh, in, in Perth that I was uh, a whole new world of bonsai opened up to me. So um, my interest in, in bonsai um, was kind of stemmed to the fact that there were no materials available for me to, to get started until I found a bonsai nursery. I was able to go along and marvel in the... Oops, 
marvel in the, uh, uh, the creations of, of the artist in, in residence at that particular nursery. Um, so all of my learning uh, uh, around bonsai was in the uh, traditional um, sense of uh, uh, the Japanese way. And hopefully throughout the next part of the presentation, I'll be able to explain the differences between bonsai and penjing. Um, because to the naked eye, that simply looks like a bonsai. So what makes it a penjing? Uh, and I'll move through that as I come along. So uh, when I went to uh, this particular artist's uh, backyard, this was the tree at the front. Okay, so walking through his back gate, seeing this fabulous garden in his wooden pagodas and uh, a little tea room that he had there and some benches and pedestals with lovely penjing and a, a, a wonderful um, waterfall feature that ran into a, a creek with a koi pond at the end. Just absolutely stunning backyard. And this was the first tree that you saw. Uh, and it wasn't until I said, oh, you know, which ones can I borrow for the collection? And he said, oh, well, you could, you know, have this one uh, and this one and this one. Uh, um, uh, okay, let's do some paperwork. Now I need to have a story, of course, uh, to tell the people who come and visit uh, the collection, you know, what, what does this tree tell me? And he said, well, that's the welcome tree. So this needs to be at the front of the collection. Welcome, welcome, come and enjoy my collection. So you're starting to get a little bit of an idea of what Penjing is about. It's more than just a miniature tree. So, uh, my presentation will have some kind of format like this. I tend to bounce around and you know, remember things and go back and forth and there'll be some things about trees that come up later that I'll have to go back and, and show you a picture um, that you had already seen. But it's good that way because it'll actually open you up to a different experience of appreciating uh, the trees that you see before you. So a definition, what is Penjing? Okay, pen, uh, literally translated, means pot or a container of some sort. Uh, jing means scenery. Okay, so that really could be interpreted in many different ways. How does that differ to bonsai? Bonsai means pot and sai. Uh, bon means pot and sai means tree. Okay, so tree in a pot. Uh, I've got a weeping maple at home, you know, one of the ones with the, the grafted weeping maple. That's a tree in a pot, but it's not a bonsai, okay? So we take it a little step further. Um, the picture that you see there, now if I, that's the blackout. That's the, can everyone see my green dot? Okay, so the, the structure uh, of bonsai ultimately is, what we're trying to achieve in that art is the illusion of a large tree in miniature. This is quite old, actually. Um, dates back to the 60s, this particular tree. So um, uh, it's certainly uh, by no means a, a new tree or a, of any sort. It does have wire. Can you see the wire on the branches? The reason for the wire is what we're trying to achieve is the illusion of a big old tree in miniature. Little trees regardless of their age, 
don't have the benefit of heavy foliage to weigh their branches down. All the little trees grow up. They grow up toward the sun. And it's only when the weight of the foliage over time brings those branches down and gives you that aged look. So we have to do that artificially. And we use wire. Okay, so I've got... Um, dates back to the 60s and it's still got wire on it. Okay, we didn't put the wire on in the 60s and leave it there because the tree will continue to grow okay, and the wire would end up cutting in. So the wire goes off, comes back on, off, on, off, on, continuously for this species of tree. Okay, very difficult to get the branch to set in the, in the place that you want it to be. Other trees on the other uh, uh, on the, on the other hand, um, the two that we have here, they don't actually get wire anymore. So the initial wiring may, may have been done. The branch has set, doesn't need any more wire. Okay. You can see a couple of other things on here. See the white part here? There's some here, a little bit down here. That's the artist getting a little bit creative, okay? So an understanding of the horticulture of, um, of trees, how they grow and what they can uh, withstand, what kind of treatment they can have in terms of being able to achieve a style or artistically create something that looks like a big tree in miniature. An understanding of your limitations is a good idea. This tree is actually hollow through that section there, underneath that is a hole that comes out the other side. Okay? So if you understand how a tree grows and it gets, it, gets its rings, it grows from the outside. Um, so you can actually hollow out the middle of it and it will still continue to grow. You've probably all heard of ring barking. If you cut all the way around so that there were uh, the nutrients uh, and the things the tree requires from the roots wasn't getting up to the foliage, of course, it would die. Okay, so you can see there, that section has certainly been taken out, remove the bark, and carve into the middle part of the wood. Okay, but from this side and going round the back, and meeting up on the other side there, there's all nutrients being able to get transferred to the foliage. So a little bit of history. I don't want to get too bogged down in it. Um, uh, certainly Penjing uh, uh, predated bonsai, as I mentioned before, and can be traced back as far as the Han and Qing dynasties, uh, even before Christ. Uh, the first historical reference of Penjing is this uh, scroll, um, which is on display at the Shanghai Botanic Gardens. You see a person there holding a little tray with some trees in it. 
We aren't quite sure at which point in time um, uh, the, the message or, or um, the, the, the art of Panjing was uh, conveyed from the Chinese to the Japanese. Um, but it could be uh, maybe the, the, there is history of Buddhist monks um, travelling over to Japan around the 6th century uh, and then a further, um, uh, a, a further um, movement of uh, Buddhist monks in a much larger way around, uh, around the 14th and 15th centuries, I think. So it was somewhere around that time. So certainly, at, at the very least, Penjing you know, maybe predates bonsai by you know, seven or 800 years. That's just what I told you. <laughs> Getting ahead of myself. Um, so the bottom one there, it wasn't until really the 1800s that the term bonsai was ad adopted by the Japanese. It was, um, they used to call it something else, hachi no ki or something like that, um, which kind of means the same thing as bonsai, uh, tree in a pot. The, the refinement of um, the illusion of the tree in a pot to create uh, something that appeared to be miniature is where uh, the art really comes into it. So two sides to bonsai and panjing, the artistic side and the horticultural. So, talk about uh, a few of the different styles of panjing. Um, bonsai certainly has its own styles um, and generally they're describing what you see in bonsai, uh, you might have a, a formal upright tree where being formal, it would be very straight in the trunk. But your branches tend to be, uh, tend to follow a kind of a pattern in bonsai. So it's, um, certainly I don't want to, I don't want to begin saying, you know, you can do bonsai by numbers, but you can learn the aesthetics and bonsai in terms of having an understanding of where branch placement will help you to achieve the illusion of a big tree in miniature and give you balance and aesthetics. Panjing is a little bit different. Okay. What we have here, and unfortunately I haven't got a, a, a picture of this tree without foliage, it's another Chinese elm, so it's deciduous, but this tree really takes on its own when it's got no foliage on it. The trunk takes on a new persona of it just dances. You can kind of see that. You can kind of see that as it comes out. These are just roots here. Exposed roots at the top. The trunk comes up and down a little bit toward the back and around. Okay? And it's moving up and down and down like this. What does this remind you of? Okay, so the inspiration for the artist here might be something along those lines. So tree benjing, shumu. Hopefully I've pronounced that right. I'm not entirely sure. I was on Google last night typing it in. How to pronounce. <laughs> um, well, that's the pointer. 
landscape painting, Shan Shui. This particular piece is a, it's an interesting one. It's really heavy because it's on a piece of stone. And that setting might be on the stone, might be about that wide. Okay. All of the trees in my presentation are up at the collection. Who's been up to the collection? Yeah. Most of you. Those who haven't, you don't know what you're missing out on. It really is spectacular. Um, I'm really proud of it. Uh, and I, I love it. It's a great place to work. Um, this, uh, this, this is another lone tree. Up at the collection we have... Uh, our involvement with the bonsai community is, is looked upon as a partnership. So a partnership between the, the ACT government who funds the facility uh, and the bonsai community who provide us with trees either by way of loan or donation. Uh, they also give us a whole bunch of really enthusiastic volunteers. Um, I've got about 80 volunteers up there. Uh, some are more active than others, but they, they give me 110 hours of their time per week. And really, I couldn't, I couldn't operate my facility without them. So this is a lone tree. Another good part of the job is getting in a truck and travelling around the country, going to see people's collections, borrowing their trees and showing them off returning them and getting something else. So we've got a very dynamic collection. At the moment, it's about half-half, half loan and half donated. Okay. So um, the story about this, and he told me to, t to keep it secret, so I'll let you all know. <laughs> this, uh, this piece of st sandstone here, he collected from a beach, um, and he was kind of really wary of uh, you know, doing the wrong thing. Um, and there were some people uh, walking, uh, walking around on the beach and he thought, I really need this piece to, 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 to show it off and, and um, to add to it and make art out of, out of this piece of sandstone. So he, um, he was a young guy and he's fairly fit and he said, uh, how am I going to do this? He, My car's at the, at the top of the sand dunes. Um, I'm way down here and I want to get this piece. So he actually put it on his back and he pretended he was doing running up the sand dunes. <laughs> put it down, ran back down, up again. Uh, these are privet. It's funny how, um, you know, there's a lot of trees in my collection that people would refer to as weeds, noxious weeds. Um, Privet certainly being one of those, uh, they, they tend to kind of um, grow wild by way of the, the berry being consumed by birds and the bird flying over the paddock and dropping, dropping the seed and a new tree grows. Um, uh, I've got a backyard that has power lines around two, two of the main uh, fences and they're full of privet because the birds come down, eat the berry and go and sit on the power lines and right underneath, you get more privet. So um, they're great for bonsai because, you know, who wants them in the garden? It's an instant tree. Uh, you could cut the, uh, cut the trunk. And you can see just here, that you've been cut there. Okay, so this is quite thick. Cut there, grown new section here. Some of these, got, there's another wound there I can see. This one would have been cut here. Okay. 
So the artist has gone along and collected some weeds and created art from it. Okay, so I'll probably refer to this one a little later. We'll come back to it. But I just want you to get a sense of um, the way that the, uh, the composition has been put together here. Okay, start thinking maybe there's a story behind it. Water and lamp engine. This thing's enormous. This, uh, this, uh, this takes up, you can see there's a guy, this is my assistant here, over here. Okay. So this is a cement fibro um, kind of sheet that's been transformed into a tray for the penjing to be planted on. There's no holes in it, everything's just plonked on top. Okay. So we borrowed this from a guy in Sydney. We hired a big uh, three-ton Pantech to take up and get this uh, setting uh, in particular uh, to do it we had to get a few people to help us out it took five of us to move it after we took the stones off this, this stone here takes two men to lift it very heavy take all the other stones here took them all off put them into the truck then the five of us moved the tray through this tiny little backyard with other penjing all around us, into the truck, and we said, oh, okay, um, thanks, we've got the form signed. Um, we, uh, we'll bring it back in a couple of years' time. Um, he said, no, don't worry, I'll, uh, I'll jump in, the, in my car and I'll follow you down so you know where to put the rocks back. So he was in Sydney and we, we left it... Um, it must have been like 4 o'clock or something in the afternoon. We got back about 7, 7.30. And he followed us all the way down, helped us get it out of the truck, put all the rocks back in. I said, oh, um, you know, do you want to go out and get something to it? No, no, I'm done. I'll see you later. And jumped back in his car and drove to Sydney. Passionate guy, you know. like, um, And it's reflected in his art as well. So this is... Uh, Actually, a three-tree setting. There's a one trunk here, another over here. There's one at the back, so it comes from behind this trunk and grows up the back here. And we might revisit that one too. The art of penjing. Okay, so now we're getting into. We're starting to get a feel for it. You know. I was talking about bonsai being it's kind of just a mini tree. Penjing is a lot more to it. So in contrast to bonsai where artists have a tendency to impose order on their creations, so that real structured branch placement, penjing artists are often willing to embrace a measure of chaos. So Some, some good uh, ways to describe it that I found on the internet. Um, while many trees uh, would appear crude and imperfect to the eyes of a bonsai artist, so now I'm reflecting on my journey through bonsai and my exposure to Penjing. Uh, you know, I'd be looking in books and I'd go, kind of don't like it. You know, it's a bit messy. Uh, the, the photograph of, of the Penjing is 
as you can see here, this trunk goes up and down and back and forth and all over the place. So there's no real... You, you look at that and you go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of... The way I learned was to have my branches in this kind of fashion and my trunk didn't do that craziness. Similar to what you see here. You know, a bit of movement in the trunk, but branches are placed back and forward and left and right. Okay, it seems to have a bit more order to it. Does it make sense? art of Penjing, the artist seeks to capture and convey a sentiment uh, and mood in their work. The goal is to re reveal an inner beauty and essence inherent in nature. So they get their inspiration from somewhere else. They're not just trying to make uh, a tree look like a, a miniature tree. So this little landscape has got there's, a, there's actually a little pond at the front here. In this, it kind of looks white. It's hard to tell in a, in a picture. But you know, when we do our watering, it fills up. There's a little crack in it, so the water actually <laughs> drains out every time. But um, uh, what he's trying to create there is um, a scenery. And the scenery may have a story to it. It may be a ref uh, to illustrate something that is read could be a, a poem or something like that. But certainly there'll be a sense of... Uh, uh, there'll be a feeling or emotion to it. And quite often it would be serenity, uh, tranquilness. So viewing this piece, you kind of... It's almost like you're floating away into a different space. Uh, use of figurines, there's a couple of crane here. There's a deer... There's a, see that red thing? That's a deer. Um, round behind it, and this is the other thing with uh, Penjing. Penjing really are created to be viewed from any angle. Front, back, side. Everything, has, uh, uh, a, uh, is, it, everything in Penjing is appealing from whichever way you look at it. So you don't create a back. Okay? Bonsai, on the other hand, does have a viewing point. So... Uh, the bonsai in my collection we have facing the front and they're viewed at that point. If you turn it around, it, the, 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 the whole composition changes entirely. Okay, there are branches at the back which are placed there to give you depth from your viewing point. If you turn it around, they're in your face and you can't actually see the rest of the tree. Penjing, on the other hand, uh, wants to be viewed from all angles. And I'll show you that with those two little ones there shortly. So frequently the designs appear bolder, livelier and more playful, sometimes even bizarre. Um, like the one in the previous slide where the trunk is going all over the place. All right, that's actually a picture of the one that I've got there on the left, so that's good. Because these are the ones down here. I certainly, at the end, welcome you to come up and have a look and I can show you them. Um, but they're a little bit low for you to see here at the moment. So uh, luckily I've got this one on a slide. 
Penjing will often, uh, artists will often take their inspiration from ancient writings, paintings, poetry, calligraphy, uh, you know, mythical creatures. Uh, you know, there's always a story to it. So my interpretation, unfortunately the artist has passed away uh, for this little composition. So um, I didn't quite get the story uh, properly from him before he passed away. But my interpretation of it is um, this is all stone here. It's all stone. There's a little uh, Chinese elm growing here. There's a cotoniasta growing along here. has a little berries and flowers. There's another elm here at the back. There's one behind here. There's an elm growing out of the top of this rock. So I see this as the mythical dragon protecting the sacred stone. There's something poetic about that. Okay. It could be interpreted a different way, but that's the way I like to look at it. Quite often with Penjing, you also um, have uh, something... Uh, it's accompanied by... by a, something that helps to add to the story. And here we've got a little guy. It's a little figurine. Here, there's a guy holding an apple, which could, could have come from this Katoniasta apple, kind of miniature apple-looking tree. I think I jumped too there. Let's go back. Often compositions may depict a relationship. And those two uh, uh, particular ones there do, in fact, do that. So what I have is this large tree is the mother. This is a mother-daughter relationship. This is the daughter here. Okay? This is a flowering plum. It's really elegant and looks really nice when it's in flower just before the leaves come. There's very strong roots here, exposed roots at the top. This tells me that mom is very grounded, very strong-willed. She's a strong lady. Branches come down with strength. However, she's very feminine. There's a little branch going up here. In contrast to all of the other ones going down, there's this little one here, and that's one of the most important parts of the composition. It's elegance. She's an elegant lady. Okay, The little one here, the branches, uh, it's hard to see in this 2D image, but the branches actually come around the mother, like almost hanging onto the legs, you know, like little kids do. This branch here, comes out over the top of the little one, protecting. It's got the protecting arm. Okay. Similar uh, in this composition, and once again, it's, they don't photograph well. You look at these trees in, in the bark, in the flesh, and you, you can really appreciate for what they are. And you'll be able to see the difference with, with those that I've taken pictures of here. But this is the same type of thing. Okay, this exposed root here at the front. 
Very strong, sturdy trunk. A little bit weathered at the top. She's been around for a while. Okay. Um, she's uh, certainly uh, not necessarily school of hard knocks, but she's learned a lot of lessons along the way. Um, very strong branches. This is the, in this cluster of stuff here is actually that branch that comes down to protect. Here, that's the protecting one. And the little one, you can see the arms actually come around at the front and back as well. Very close planting here means a close relationship. She would be referred to as the matriarch of the family. Now, when I picked this up, it was obvious to me it was a relationship, but one thing eluded me, and I said I don't understand. Um, from this is the, uh, the 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 artist that passed away. Uh, so I asked his widow, this obviously is a mother-daughter or father-son type uh, setup. Can you explain to me what this little tree here is at the back? And uh, my suggestion was, is it possibly the granddaughter? Without thinking too much, that um, was my suggestion. And obviously I'm wrong. If it were a granddaughter, the granddaughter would be over here underneath the protecting arm of the daughter. This one is set further back in the composition. And she said, no, that's the artist. And as soon as she said that, I realised. It made me reflect upon the first time I'd met the guy. And this was my explosive entry into Penjing appreciation. I had not seen Penjing in, in the traditional way. So this guy uh, um, uh, does the Lingnan Penjing um, uh, from the southern area of China. So my exposure to Penjing, like I said, was from books or from people who didn't really know having a crack at it. Okay? It was the first time I saw a guy who actually knew all about it uh, and moved to Melbourne not that long ago and started creating penjing over here. So walking into his backyard, I was thinking, oh, God, here we go, I've got to go and see this guy's, you know, disorganised penjing. Opened his backyard and it just was like, wow, this is unbelievable. I opened a whole new dimension of appreciation for me, which is probably a good thing, being the curator of the National Collection. Uh, and at that point, my... Uh, my journey in Bonsai and Penjing just changed entirely. So if you come on one of my tours up at the collection, I certainly talk a little bit about Bonsai, but I talk more about Penjing because it's so much more fun to interpret. Okay? Um, telling people about the stories and seeing their face and going, yeah, you know what? I actually get what you're saying. So walking into this guy's, um, this guy's backyard... It was very much, remember the welcome tree? That's actually his um, son-in-law who did that. So uh, our two big penjing artists are kind of related to a certain extent. And he, was the, he had the welcome tree. And for, for Hong Lin, uh, who's passed away now, very much, please come enjoy my garden. And, you know, enjoy. And as he moves back, and he's, he's just a small component of his art. Certainly he's the artist, but for him, please appreciate what I've done. 
and I'll stand back, which is in contrast to what I was familiar with. All of the other bonsai artists I go to, these are my trees. Come and have a look at my trees. I got an award for this tree, and you know this is the best tree. Whereas for him, it's quite the opposite. So when I was told that's the artist, it all made sense. Insignificant, right at the back. Okay. Next one. A couple more penjing, and. Pretty much most of the penjing are from these two guys, the father and the, uh, the son-in-law. So uh, principles of yin and yang often uh, incorporated into penjing design. The contrast, the um, uh, you know, might be uh, something that signifies gentleness in contrast to something that might be powerful, um, something wild, and then something. Not so wild. So let me explain the, the yin and yang in these two. This is an English elm. Very powerful tree. Okay, strong trunk. Moving in, everything moving in this direction. I said to the artist, well, tell me what, what's going on here. Um, can, you, can, you, can you explain it to me? And he said... This is uh, to signify strength, optimism, uh, looking, in, looking forward. He said, the tree takes this direction. The horse looks forward into that direction. Everything looking into the future. Strong strength, positiveness. Okay, all the branches going this way. So what is that? Two steps forward, one step back. Nothing in life always goes your way. Okay? There's a hurdle along the way. That's the story he's trying to convey. This one. Down here's a little figurine. There's three men sitting around a little table drinking tea, having conversations. Three wise men. They might be talking whimsically about the happenings of the world. Okay? In contrast, big, strong, sturdy trees stood the test of time. The roots are sticking out. Okay? It's in these rocky kind of hilltop, strong, powerful branches. Okay? So the wind might come along and it won't blow the tree but the wind could certainly blow away the whimsical conversation. The horticulture. How long have I got? Yeah. Horticulture of Penjing. Okay. Artistic manipulation of ordinary trees and plants. They are just normal trees. They're not a special bonsai seed or a dwarfed type of tree that uh, is stunted or anything like that. They're just normal trees. Having an understanding of the horticulture is imperative, and I touched on that before. Um, I mentioned before I was going to jump back and forth. I'm moving forward now because I think I'm running out of time. 
what do, uh, what do the trees need to survive? Okay, so a tree in the ground obviously um, you know, gets its sunlight and its air circulation. From the ground it gets its moisture and nutrients. What happens if you put a tree in a pot? Certainly it will get sunlight. And if you put it in the right place, you know, you'll get enough sun and air circulation. Uh, what you pot it in might have a bit of nutrients for a certain extent of time. But how can it get its own water unless it rained every once in a while? Okay, so these things rely on us. Okay, a lot of people I've heard, um, and then, uh, as Alex mentioned, I own a bonsai nursery. I get people coming, help. Something's happened to my tree. Did you water it? Yeah, last week. Okay. These things dry out really quickly. So um, they require us to take care of them. So this is actually just on a tray here, and everything's plonked on top. Um, that may have been cemented on because it, uh, or, or you know, somehow attached to the, to the tray. The rest of it is just all placed on. And this could certainly get a little bit of water in it here, but ultimately we need to add water right above the base of the roots. The nutrients in uh, the container um, would certainly leach out very quickly unless we added something. Okay, so all the watering we do up at the collection on a hot day, maybe high 30s and windy. There are some trees up there will get watered three times. Uh, winter, you know, the collection might, might, might get watered uh, on a wholesale kind of way, maybe twice a week. Okay, so it, it does depend on the on the on the, uh, uh, on the weather. It also depends on the tree. Some trees use more water than others. Um, if a tree is a little bit pot bound, it will certainly use the water more. If it's got room to uh, uh, capture moisture without the roots grabbing it, it won't dry out so fast. So all those things are required, um, uh, the, 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 the adding of water, uh, the adding of, of, of food or nutrient. And generally up there we do it every two weeks. Uh, there is slow release in the soil, but in addition to that we'll add uh, a liquid fertiliser every two weeks, except for winter. The trees just don't draw it through winter, so um, uh, we only do it through spring, summer and autumn. So root pruning, why would we do root pruning? Um, is this one way to keep it small? No, it's quite the opposite. What we're trying to achieve is a tree that is healthy. And as you can see, apart from the uh, autumn colour that's coming in, um, which may give the illusion of a tree that might be missing some nutrients or whatever, these trees are very healthy. So they're given everything that they need, as I suggested before. Now, if we left them in the pot and the roots continued to grow, it would become pot-bound. And over time, they'd be so dense in the pot with roots that moisture wouldn't be able to get in properly. Um, uh, the soil would certainly be spent and be hard to get uh, fertiliser in. Um, so what we do is we take it up, untangle the roots. That's the second time I've done that. <laughs> untangle the roots, trim some off, add fresh soil. And we do this every two or three years. Okay? It's not something we do all the time. 
and it's by no means to slow the tree down. In fact, we're doing it to keep the tree moving, keep the tree happy and healthy. Okay? So ultimately, the health of the tree is promoted as much as possible. As a result, for something in a pot, we certainly get a lot of growth. Not quite the same as the tree being in the ground and growing um, you know, to its own devices, but we do push our trees quite hard. Um, what do we do with the resultant growth? We just trim it off, and that's what keeps it small. So we use our scissors to trim, our cutters to, to, to cut back. That's how bonsai and pinging are kept small. Okay? Lots of growth, artistically trimming to maintain the shape that we want. Some are easy. So this particular one was on a, just a flat tray. There's no holes. It's not held down in any way. We can just simply get the whole thing and tip it back, work underneath, use a, some of our tools that we have. Welcome to come and have a look at these at the end as well. So we tip it back and we use this rake here to untangle the roots. Okay. Removing some of the old soil. These are big, these two, I was talking about um, big ones a little bit earlier. Um, these two little ones here on the side, they're, they're some of the smallest ones. By no means the smallest. The smallest in our collection would probably be about that big. The biggest is around about, oh, maybe a bit shorter than me. Uh, this particular one would stand probably about from the ground up to about here if I was standing next to it. This is a one full piece of rock here. Down the bottom there's some rock cemented in to give a flat base. The green stuff here is just a little accompanying planting, um, like a baby tears type scenario, a little bit of uh, greenery down the bottom. Uh, up the top there's a couple of rocks placed near the top to create a cavity for the tree to sit in. The tree sits atop the stone. If I spin it sideways, which I can't actually do here, the roots grow down the side of the rock down here and they're just covered in moss. So the artist has basically taken the, the tree out of a pot that he'd grown it in for a number of years cemented this stone together beforehand and untangled the, the roots like this, sat it in top and draped the roots over the side and placed moss and stuff around the roots to keep the moisture in. That one, similarly, so he's, he's put a few rocks. This uh, base is one. This rock is placed in here and this tall rock here are placed on top of this base and probably cemented in. And the tree sits atop. The roots actually uh, um, have quite, the, the roots are quite woody and the, the, uh, the smaller roots are in this section. So for us to root prune that, we'd have to take the whole composition apart. Okay, So we don't. 
<laughs> Simple. Uh, what we do is we excavate. So leaving all this on here, we would dig holes in this area here, remove some of the old roots and add fresh soil. Similarly up here, we do the same thing. Too difficult to take apart. We'll do questions in a sec. A couple of other things I wanted to point out. Um, oh, and I don't recall seeing a picture of uh, the... I don't know. What, did this work on that? Yeah, Can you all hear me if I walk around? Like this? this is one of my favourite trees in the collection. Um, uh, I, I spoke of the, the artist that passed away and he still works with him with us to borrow trees. If you wanted to I guess we're at we're at a point where um, you, you've kind of got a feeling for, for for the difference between bonsai and penjing. Would I be right in saying that? Yeah. Certainly, uh, miniature horticultural art uh, from a from a you know broad perspective. Um, but it's important to me for you to be able to understand that they are entirely different. 